0: That phrase, you know, some versions of the Bible will take that verse, you know, that we should be called the sons of God, and they'll make it children. And I understand that, and that makes sense, and that helps us to to get that this is this is about being God's child. But there was an understanding, especially in that Hebrew culture, of what it meant to be a son. Uh, and and obviously, this is not a it's not meant to be a gender thing, but to be a son. Uh, It's similar to the idea of what it means for us to all be the bride of Christ, and it always strikes me that women tend to have just a fine time understanding that, okay, when God says that I'm a son, he's talking about me being an heir. He's not talking about me being a boy. He's talking about me being an heir of his, that I have inherited everything that belongs to Jesus Christ because I am also now his son. And women tend to have an okay time doing that. But whenever I talk to guys about being the bride of Christ, they're all like, whoa, whoa, whoa. you know, And then they get all macho. And it's And because it's not about you being a girl, it's about you learning to submit to his headship and his rule and his authority in your life. But also his protection over you as your husband and so to understand the roles there not gender but just the roles that are indicated by our relationship uh, to God through Christ Jesus so important for us to understand that but just because we sing that we should become the sons of God I'm not saying that only that God only loves boys Uh, that's ridiculous okay Uh, so that was free I won't charge you for that little lesson this morning I won't even charge you for the rest of the service Uh, you can you can watch this for free Uh, But we're going to talk this morning about what it means to be rooted and grounded in love. And this is all part of a series of messages for uh, the month of February. I'm calling it a February on fire. All right. So you've got to say that with a little Ricky Bobbiness. And I don't know if you know who that is. But those of you who do, you'll know exactly what I mean. But this is going to be a February on fire. Okay. And we're going to talk about the redeeming and the restoring and the refining love of God, okay? So, in order to participate in the redemption that that love affords, in order to to participate in the restoration that that love affords, and in order to participate in the refining that that love affords us, the key word there is that we've got to figure out this whole love thing. We've got to be rooted and grounded in that love in order to reap the benefits of that love. When we talk about the fact that God loves us, for for many of us, that's just a head thing. We get it. I know you love us because you have to love us because you're God. You know you're 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 just nice that way. But that that means so so little compared to what His love actually is, and that His love is 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 alive. His love is active. His love surrounds. His love carries. His love transforms. His love does so much in us it's not just this sort of mushy feeling that he has toward us because that's sort of our definition of love you know sort of relegated to likes like i love ice cream you know and and it's not it's not that kind of idea it is an all consuming love all right which it is a fiery love which we're calling this a february on fire and a lot of times we just let february oh that's valentines day so let's you know it's all about love right not that kind of love This is the fiery love of God that consumes, and there's no room for anything else in that love. It is just completely committed and devoted to your your well-being and your perfection, even. So we're going to submit to that love, but in order to do that, we've got to learn about it. So that's what today's all about. We want to be rooted and grounded in that love. So the foundation for what God wants to do in us is His love for us. And we must abide in it, and it will abide in us. And uh, this is how all that comes next comes into being. So the the redeeming and the restoring and the refining come because we are rooted and grounded in that love. So our text this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 3. The book of Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, Get your Bibles out. Uh, Chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. Uh, and the good way to find Ephesians is it's near the back portion of your Bible. If you find Matthew, you go through the four Gospels, and then you have Romans, and then First Corinthians, and Second Corinthians, then Galatians, and Ephesians, okay? So Ephesians is there. Chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom... And the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. I love that phrase. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Have you ever thought about that? To know something that you can't know. So this is a deeper understanding. And then the final few words of that verse. uh, That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And that's three very powerful words. Filled and all and fullness. Filled with all the fullness of God. And if that doesn't hurt your brain and make you step back and say, whoa, then you need to read that again until it does. Filled with all the fullness of God. That's the end goal here. So we've built this as a year of light. And we're calling February, February on fire. You know, we're talking about the redeeming. And the restoring and the refining love of God. Uh, that subtitle, the three R's, you know, we'll, we'll tackle those in the weeks to follow, all right? Uh, but today we have to lay the foundation for what is ahead. Uh, if we don't begin well, if you don't start well, you don't finish well. You have no hope of finishing. No, you won't cross that finish line. How many of you understand that what you do to prepare yourself is just as important as what you do in the arena, what you do on the field. We don't show up for a 100-meter dash by going to the all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet just before. That would be counterproductive. You might get some good carb energy, but you'd be so bloated that you would going to fall down on the track halfway through your thing. No, we discipline ourselves with regular training and excellent nutrition, so that we might win the race. We prepare ourselves. Our lives with God are no different. We have a calling. We've talked about that in January. This is a, a year of light. We are to shine. I was listening to Patrick's Bible study this morning with his Sunday school class that he posts on their page. And, and, and he was it's just encouraging us to, that we can shine uh, in the night, like those stars that we've been called to shine as. Uh, that we need to be rooted and grounded in our, in our walks with God and listening to the Holy Spirit and and receiving uh, our direction and our, our, our guidance from Him. And so we prepare that way and we have this calling to to be the church that God has called us to be. And we've called 2021 a year of light. And we want to keep that as, as a goal as we move forward through this year. There'll be different series of messages and different foci, but we want, to, we want to keep that as our end goal. We want to shine like the stars in the heavens, which is what Jesus has told us we would do. And when we shine like the stars that Scripture says we will, we look at our own lives. Uh, when we hear that statement, we look at our own lives, and there's a disconnect, Right? There's a dissonance. It's I don't shine <laughs> as brightly as Jesus says I should. I don't when pe- when I walk out the doors of this church building, the community doesn't go, Whoa, what is <laughs> what is going on down there at Saint Paul's? Uh when when we go to Walmart and we and we walk down the produce aisle, uh people don't, you know, go, Whoa, there's something different about this person looking at the tomatoes. Now, I'm not saying that we need to you know, that God has called us to walk around with the Shekinah glory of God you know in every moment uh, but if there is no distinction between you and the person who is bitter and the person who's angry and the person who has no joy in their lives is it because that the people just can't see the Christ in you or is it because you have covered up the light in you with a lot of dinginess with a lot of bitterness with a lot of anger uh, with a lot of sorrow and 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 just not being a kind person and that's what we have to struggle with we don't shine so brightly in january we looked at how if we turn our eyes to jesus we would become like jesus if we talk about jesus and we glorify jesus he shows up more in our lives when we focus on him he shows up more Again, it's not that he actually shows up more. We talked about that too. It's that we start to engage in that presence, that he's already there. Uh, we, we, start to, we start to be uh, affected by it more. We spoke of how we can deceive ourselves into thinking that we are shining brightly when we are not. And it's actually pretty dark inside of us that we need Holy Spirit to shine in our inmost being to bring us into the light or where we can begin to be transformed, and as I just said earlier this morning, that's sort of what the Lenten season is all about. That's coming up. We spoke of how the enemy also works to deceive us by appearing as light, and many uh, of the beliefs and assumptions that we hold dear are actually doctrines of demons. They're things that have been spoken to us, and we're like, "Oh yeah, that looked good on a on a Christian calendar." You know, and it sounds good, it seems wise, it seems Christian, but it's not. Uh, and they twist the truth. That's why it seems Christian. They take a little bit of the truth and then they insert and they, they twist. And so it's twisted truth, just enough to convince us. And the, one of the reasons that we fall for that is because it's easier. It, because it feeds both our flesh and makes us feel like we're obeying. But you can't do both. <laughs> You can't straddle the fence. You can't do what you want and what God wants. It's, it's, it just doesn't work that way. But that's why we buy those lies from the enemy because he makes it sound like, yeah, you can. You can have your cake and eat it too. There's a reason why that phrase doesn't make sense because it doesn't work, right? We spoke of the three traps that the enemy uses to, to lure us away from the light and into darkness. The desires that make our bodies feel good, um, uh, food, uh, the, the things that we, we like to look at, that nice car that's driving by or that pretty girl, and the things that make us feel good uh, about who we are, that make us feel more important than others, called the pride of life. And finally, last week, we spoke of how our default operating systems need to change, that we operate uh, very well, under the curse under this this shame based uh, kingdom, uh, so that when we do hear the truth about our darkness, we squirm, we squirm and we shift the blame. You know you heard the story of the the Good Samaritan this morning, I was talking with Andy just before service and and he was mentioning about how when Je- after Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan to uh, to the people that he was with, he asked them now which one did what you know Which one walked in obedience? Which one did the right thing? And the guy couldn't answer. He just walked away. And that is a, a good example of someone operating, hearing the truth, hearing the voice of truth from Jesus Christ himself, and yet walking away in shame because he knew. He knew he was wrong. No repentance, no humility, no saying... Oh, it was that guy, and I need to be more like him, and I need to get over myself, and oh, I'm so sorry. None of that. He just walked away in shame, and so we try to cover it up. We try to squirm our way out of it and shift the blame, pretend it's not true, and go hide from God. And and we've been doing that. We've learned how to do that from our ancestors. We learned how to do that from our grandparents. We learned how to do that from our parents, and we teach each other how to do it. Uh, it's a good system we got going on. We think. Uh, But we're invited to listen to the Father's love, His voice that brings conviction, that brings restoration, that brings life. So we talked a great deal (laughs) in this year of light. In the first month, we talked a great deal about darkness, didn't we? And that seems counterproductive. But I hope that you heard the voice of love and not the voice of condemnation in those messages. I I also hope that that you heard it, though, that it struck deep that the conviction of the Holy Spirit uh, would be there in those words. Because if you listened to those messages and walked away thinking things like, well, um, I sure hope so, and so was listening. You ever been that way? You hear a good convicting sermon and you think of who else needs to, to hear that. <laughs> uh, I do it all the time. Or, uh, hey amen, I'm glad I don't have any darkness in me to deal with. <laughs> like that other person does you know hopefully you were like myself and even my own uh, messages were convicting to me that these were words i believed that were from god that you would receive those messages and then invite the holy spirit to come and search you out to come and seek deep within you and root out the darkness and this is a process this is not something oh yeah i did that on tuesday <laughs> i'm done i'm good this is a process that we need to do regularly all right uh, and rest assured, uh, it's something that we must tend to. And that's why we practice Lent. We don't just observe it and call it done. We practice Lent. I mean, you'll get better at it the more you do it. You spend 40 days allowing the Holy Spirit to search out the darkness hiding in you uh, so that you might join Him in the light like on Easter Sunday as you crawl out of your, tr- your tombs. And it, again, it's a process. But today, I'll finally get to the message Now it's time to start the message. Today, I want you to hear that none of that is possible. Unless, (laughs) unless you are planted deep in the love of God. So let's read that text again. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named all around you, right? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you remember last week when we talked about Adam and Eve hiding in shame instead of running to God to see if he could help with their nakedness? Dwell on that for a moment. Just think about that. Just get that picture in your mind. Have you ever considered running to God with your nakedness? Have you ever considered running to God with your nakedness rather than working to cover yourself up first? Have you ever considered revealing that story in the New Testament where the man with the, the withered hand, when Jesus says, stretch out your hand, our knee-jerk reaction. I mentioned this last week briefly. Our knee-jerk reaction is to just to stretch out our good hand. I'm going I'm to give you what I think is acceptable, God. <laughs> But that's not what Jesus asked him to do. Give me your brokenness. Give me your withered hand. And it was in the stretching out of that withered hand that his hand became whole again. Have you ever considered just stretching your withered hand out to God instead of hiding it? The very beginning of our text this morning, verse 14, Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father. In other words, this is why I run to God in humility. That's what Paul's saying. This is why I come to Him in humility. And we'll get to the reason. He says, for this reason, I bow. We'll get to the reason at the, at the close of this message. But for now, just know that we must begin by running to the Father. That's where we must go. Next, in verse 16, teaches us that the renewing of our inner parts, our inner being. Comes from God, not us. This is not about you fixing yourself. This is about allowing Him to fix you. Here's a good way to remember what grace is, okay? This is what grace is. The simple acronym, GRACE, G R A C E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. We tend to think of grace as freedom to be what we desire, or F-T-B-W-W-D, or just chill and eat that fruit, J-C-A-E-T-F. Those things don't spell anything. They're just utter nonsense. You want to know what grace is? It's God's riches at Christ's expense. It's not doing what you want. It's not get-out-of-jail-free cards. It's not about living a licentious lifestyle. It's not about just like, well, hey, I'm only human. Those are cop-outs. Those are excuses. They're utter nonsense. Verse 17 makes it clear that it is the indwelling, the deep abiding of Christ that affects change in you. You cannot make yourself better and then come to God. You have to go to God and allow Christ to take up residence in you, to move about in you, to have his way in you in order to live the life that God has called you to live. We must be, as the the text says in the title of our message, we must be deeply rooted and grounded in the love of God. The end result, according to the text, and I mentioned this earlier, is being filled with all the fullness of God. Now, I would expound on that but how do you expound on filled and all and fullness you don't there are no bigger words okay and and it's being filled with with all the fullness of what of who of god who is infinite now how there's a scene in in uh, Aladdin <laughs> where the genie says you know, something to the, the, the degree of, oh, oh omnipotent power. I'm out. Oh, teeny little body, living space. <laughs> you know, because the genie in the bottle. And, and not that God's a genie, okay? Don't, don't misunderstand my image here. But Paul talks about these vessels of clay. That's you and me. Vessels of clay. And in those vessels, insufficient vessels, broken vessels, messed up, marred vessels, treasure, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You have no hope of glory in and of yourself, that broken clay. And unless and, and you think, oh, I, I know I'm broken. It's just a mild crack. No, you're a pile of shards. Okay, That's a better image for you to understand. You're a pile of shards and God says, that's the vessel I'm going to use. I'm going to rebuild that vessel. I'm going to glue it back together. And I'm going to heal it with my love. And I'm going to live in it. And I'm going to bless the world with this vessel. Because I'm going to use it. I'm going to pour it out on everybody. That's what it means to be a child of God. That's what it's like for for you and for me to be rooted and grounded in his love. What does it mean to be filled with God's fullness? So, as you think about that, you'll quickly learn that it's beyond comprehension, right? Beyond our human ability to even fathom, much less accomplish in our own strength. Beyond you, beyond me, beyond our ability in any way, shape, or form. Our work, our job, is to run to Him. That's your job. Our work is to run to him. We don't run in shame. This is is the difference between, I mean, you can see it in in your body language, right? When when your parent or some other authority figure comes to you and is, is bringing to your attention something you've done wrong, do you go, oh, I am so sorry. And you have this sort of deflated but repentant demeanor or is it this put our hands in our pockets and we bow our heads that's shame i can't even look at you but to run to a father that you know loves you to run to a father who was not willing that you would perish but that would that sent his only son to die on your behalf to remember that you don't come to him with this sort of oh, shucks, you know, I messed up again. You come to him and say, you know, God, you know, forgive me for what I've done. Then we repent. We adopt an attitude of repentance. We don't run in shame. We don't lead with our best effort to prove ourselves worthy of redemption. We run in tears and humility to the one place, the one person that we know actually loves us. We run to our father as prodigals. Remember that story? The prodigal son. We've learned that doing it our way just doesn't work. And we were wrong. But the word from the father, just as the story of the prodigal son, let's celebrate. Because this child of mine who was lost has now been found. Going to kill the fatty cap. We're having a party Let's get them cleaned up. Let's get some new clothes on them. And let's get it started. To know the love of God like that. That's what it means to be rooted and grounded in the love of God. And I said earlier that we would look at the reason. The reason why Paul ran to God in humility. The reason why Paul uh, humbled himself and bowed before the, before the Father. Just a few verses above our text today. It says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. And those words, we have boldness and we have access with confidence through our faith in him that we can confidently approach our father. Not shamefully, humbly, but confidently with boldness. I have a six-year-old son who teaches me this lesson every day. There are moments, (laughs) I must confess, when I wish that he would be ashamed. When I wish that he would approach me with a little bit of shame. But he just doesn't. And he teaches me every day. This is what it means to come to a father who loves you unconditionally. You can know that you messed up. You can know that you did wrong. And then five seconds later, come up and say, can I have a snack? Can I have some candy? Can I watch a TV show? Can I go outside and play? Will you play this game with me? There's no shame there. And that kind of relationship that Levi and I have developed has been developed because he, even though he's only six years old, has come to experience and expect love from his father. Do you want that kind of relationship with your heavenly father? That you can come to, you can say, I, I was wrong. And then repent and try to do better. And know that he loves you. And he will teach you. He will, he will fashion you into the image of his son, Jesus. So we're going to bring all this... This message to a close here, and then we're gonna we're gonna sing our worshipful response here in a minute, but here's what I'm gonna offer to you. I want you to pray with me. Okay? And I want everyone who's heard this message and, and sensed any any kind of conviction from God whatsoever uh, to pray this prayer with me. And I and And and, if you're with other people, I I get it, it's uncomfortable, it's unnerving to say prayers out loud in front of others. Don't let shame keep you from responding to what God is doing in your heart right now. Just be bold and have that confidence in the love of your Father. You've heard these words and you sense that you have some darkness in you. And I'm not talking about like, oh I've, been, oh, I've been sinning, pastor. That's not what I'm talking about. Even the darkness of shame. Even the darkness of thinking that I've got to do better in order to earn God's love. That's darkness. Repenting of that darkness. You've heard these words and you sense that you need to, to come to him. You've had your eyes open. There's a temptation to run. There's a temptation to find something else to do busy yourself, cover yourself up with something so that God will be happy with you and that temptation can be strong the trees of the garden look so inviting and you'd like to go and hide in them right now but don't instead come return home to your father like that prodigal son with humility and repentance run to his embrace run to his love and then get rooted and grounded in that love. So I want you to just put the the distractions aside. Just ignore the fact that there are other people in the room with you. Maybe if your spouse is there, grab their hand and hold their hand and pray this prayer with me. Just repeat the words with me. I'll give them to you a phrase at a time. God in heaven, I have wandered away from your truth. I have neglected your word. I have rested on my laurels and my own acts of righteousness. I have put my hope in lesser gods. I have taught others to do the same. With my vocal worrying and sharing my anxiety and my angst. I have not drawn others to Jesus but to myself. I've not loved and served my neighbor, I've not been the Good Samaritan. I've listened to clever lies and not the truth found in you alone. I've played the part of a Christian, but I have not followed after Jesus. I've been religious, but not genuine in my discipleship. I've attended worship services, but I have not worshiped. I have grown lax in my devotion to you. I have justified my sin. I have even called it good. I've not loved you, Instead, I've loved the things of this world. I've chosen to follow my own desires. I haven't even sought to know your will. Even worse, I call my desires your will without even consulting you. I've let fear be my guide. I've let culture be my teacher. I've trusted in money more than you. I've trusted in good health more than you. I've trusted in government more than you. I've trusted in myself more than you. All of this and countless others I have done. And Father, you already know this. You see all. My nakedness is not news to you. Clothe me now clothe me in the righteousness of your son jesus restore in me a right spirit and bring me back to that place of worship where i can worship in spirit and in truth and we ask this in the name of your son jesus christ is both our Lord and our Savior Amen Now if you prayed that prayer and you meant it sincerely I want to challenge you to, to use this worshipful response time we're getting ready to sing a song use this worshipful response time to offer up to Him your heart anew in Christ just do it again Get personal with him. Get real with him in this moment. Let's, let's sing more love to thee, O Christ. Amen. I want to give uh, the following benediction, not from me, but by the singer-songwriter Amy Grant. I don't know if you remember her. Uh, popular uh, Christian contemporary music artist, but she wrote this song uh, during a a season in her life uh, in which she was experiencing some of the same brokenness and and humility uh, that we spoke of even in our prayer uh, when she humbled herself before the Lord and and got her heart right with God. And the song that was born out of that was uh, called, Where Do I Go? And you can look that up on YouTube if you want to hear it, but here are the lyrics. It says, Where do I go when I need a shelter? Where do I go when I need a friend? Where do I go when I need some helping? Where do I go? Back on my knees again. Ask me this question, I'll tell you no lies. How did I get this fire in my life? All is not certain. But I will get by. Listen, I'll tell you why. Where do I go when I need a shelter? Where do I go when I need a friend? Where do I go when I need some helping? Where do I go? Back on my knees again. Sure as the winter comes after the fall, sure as true love tears down any wall, Jesus is able to carry it all. He will answer your call. Where do I go when I need a shelter? Where do I go when I need a friend? Where do I go when I need some helping? Where do I go? Back on my knees again. Amen. Go in peace. (laughs) Bye. <laughs>